Today we come to the end of our series in the book of Numbers. And we come to the end of it on some really weird chapters, as is, you know, you've all come to expect of me that I would end this in a really, really weird way. No, chapters 28 and 29, we're going we're gonna to read verse by verse through all of these chapters. There's about 100 verses. We'll go detailed into... No, we're not going to do that. We're not, not going to do that. But I, I do think um, this morning, hopefully, is something where... It's refreshing for all of us and maybe helps us engage things in Scripture. So let me just start by asking you, has this ever happened to you? Or maybe, maybe better, when was the last time this happened to you? Okay, so you get up in the morning, you get yourself ready, you look in the mirror, you, you've done all your steps, you think, I am ready for the day. I look presentable. Maybe you don't think you look good, but you look presentable, right? You are put together for the day. Then you go out the door and you head on through your day with the confidence that comes from believing that you are put together. But somewhere along the way, you find out you're not. Someone says, what's going on with your hair? Or you look down and you see, I got two different shoes on, right? Or Somewhere along the way, you got a giant stain on your shirt or something like that, right? And all that confidence, you start to think back to all the conversations you've had through the day thinking, what did they think of me? I look a mess. What's wrong with me, right? Just this past week, we were in staff meeting, and I am just sharing my deep knowledge about Jesus and inspiring the troops to go serve the Lord with you know, power and might. And we're just, we're just like, I'm just pouring it out with full confidence, and as I'm in the middle of a sentence, my wife looks at me with a very strange look on her face, very disturbed, very, like, quizzical. And then she says to me, what's wrong with your face? <laughs> now, there are many possible answers to that question, right? Like, what's wrong with your face? Uh, would you like a list? Like, I don't... I'm not sure what you're asking me. Right? Before I had a time to sort out all of the potential answers to that question, she went on and she said, you look like you got in a fight with a cat. Now, I don't have a cat. I haven't been around a cat. I don't know what happened. I had some kind of scratch on my face or something like that. So literally, I had nothing that I could say. So I just waved the white flag and moved on with staff meeting, disfigured as I was. For the rest of the time. Because all of a sudden, I recognized that what I thought was everything's good, I realized uh, something needs attention. Something's going on here. Isn't that how it is sometimes in our spiritual lives? We think we've got it all. Everything's good. We, we're walking around with confidence like, I know Jesus and Jesus is good. And, and on we go through our lives. And we think everything's fine until maybe a crisis hits. We face some loss. Or you just you're just not where you were before. Something reminds you that this is not what it means to be alive in Jesus. And where did that go? I used to be convinced of his power. I used to be convinced of his presence. And what happened to it? You notice something that you got to deal with, right? You start to become aware. It's not until you are curious enough to say what's going on that you have any real hope of figuring out what's going on in your life. Well, in a strange way, I want to connect that to this passage because 
as you read this passage, if you've ever read through the Bible, if you've ever tried to read through the Bible, most of the time you'll start, at least part of your reading will be in the Old Testament. You'll read through Genesis, no big problem there, lots of cool stories. You go through Exodus, man, things are happening. Then you hit the end of Exodus and you're like, okay, momentum can carry you through Exodus. Then you hit Leviticus, right? Like, okay, don't know what I'm supposed to do with all this. Then we, Numbers picks up again. We've gone through Numbers. But then you hit a chapter like this in Numbers, and you're just like, what am I supposed to do with this? You just zone out because you're like, I don't know what to do with that. We call this, the, the Jews call this the Torah. We call it the Pentateuch or the Mosaic Law. You start to read about these sacrifices, and you're like, well, we, when was the last time you brought a lamb to church to sacrifice? And we just don't do, that's not... That's not what we do anymore. That was a system of worship that God gave to the Israelites that has been replaced for believers by the death of Jesus on the cross. He is now the sacrifice once for all. We don't keep going sacrificing over and over again. It's why the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom because Jesus died and now the veil is torn so the, the way is open. As a matter of fact, the author of Hebrews says that we now enter through a new and living curtain that is his body. We come to God. We come into the presence of God through Jesus, not through the sacrifice of lambs and bulls and rams. So we get to a passage like this that's all about sacrifices. Chapter 28 and 29 is all about sacrifices. What you should bring, when you should bring it, how you should bring it. And we're like, shouldn't we just skip the parts that don't apply to us anymore? Let's just skip through it. Or maybe you read it, but you're, you know, thinking about something else while you read it because I don't know what to do with this. Why should I want to know what the rules were for a system that we don't use? Great question. Why is that there? That's the question that I think will help us understand and apply some of what God is giving to us here in Numbers chapter 28. So I'm not going to go into all the details. We're, not, we're just going to read a little collection of verses through this because what I want to do is I want to give you the overall picture of this sacrificial system. And I want to ask us as we look at it, what's here for us? What should we take? What should we learn as we look at the patterns that God gives the, the Israelites? What does that mean for us? What can we learn from that? As a matter of fact, the chapters that we read are already a review for God's people. The stuff in these two chapters, he's already gone over. God has already given to Moses in the book of Leviticus. This is a summary this is kind of like a bullet point summary to help Israel remember. And so as we read them, it's also a bullet point for us to maybe help us sort through what all that stuff in Leviticus is about for us today, or at least some of what it's about for us today. Hopefully, we'll be able to see what some, some of what God wanted them to see because I believe that this stuff is not just for them. I still believe the people of God need some of the truth, some of the lessons that we see in Numbers 28 and 29. The point behind it was a point that God was trying to use these offerings to show and teach Israel because they were his people. Because he wanted them to understand. He wanted them to stay true. He wanted them to, to walk with faith and confidence. And so I think these same points are still true. And some of this approach could really help us. 
As we walk by faith, some of what he gave to Israel could be instructive for us. Help us to live like God's people. Maybe it would help us to live with more awareness of God's presence. A feeling of being close to the Lord. Health spiritually in our souls. Maybe people who are harder to knock off course by the things that happen in life. Maybe we could live with more peace. Maybe we could live with more power. We could live with more love for one another. In other words, I don't think that these passages are just about rituals that God was using to say, well, let me see if Israel will do this. I don't think he's just giving it to them to test their obedience and make them jump through hoops. I think he's giving it to them because he wanted them to understand and he wants us to understand how to know him and how to live trusting him. And so I hope we can see that today. So verse 1 and 2, which is kind of the the introduction to this section on sacrifices, it says this, The Lord said to Moses, Give this command to the Israelites and say to them, Make sure that you present to me at the appointed time my food offerings as an aroma pleasing to me. So the heading is, make sure that the Israelites keep this system. Make sure that they follow this rhythm, this pattern of offerings. To me, So we'll get into what that pattern was, but the introduction, the, the, the start of it is, it's important. God is saying to Israel, it's important that you keep these appointed times. So the first thing that comes to my mind that we can take from that is Israel needed regular and required times to go and bring offerings to the Lord. Now, when they brought offerings to the Lord, what were they doing? that's comparable to what we do. They were worshiping, right? They were coming to meet with the Lord. They were coming to be reminded about Him, about who He is, about His words for them, about His instructions for them, about trusting Him. They were coming to worship. And God made it regular and required. People, let me tell you, we need regular. Sporadic doesn't cut it with humanity. If it's something that's important, you need regular. What comes most naturally to us is the stuff we do every day. If you have a normal pathway that you drive to work, you can drive it with your eyes closed, right? As a matter of fact, sometimes when you're trying to go somewhere else, you're still going to work, right? Because it's, it's so natural to you. If you're not thinking about it, you're just on course to where you're supposed to go. The things that we do every day are easy to hold on to. They are natural. We've practiced them. We've patterned them. And there is power for us as human beings in pattern and practice. On the other side, I think we've all experienced this. Some of the things that I've learned, I don't have anymore. Like back when I was in college, I took a course on Hebrew, like the Hebrew language, the vocabulary and letters and, and all of that. The final project for the semester was to translate Genesis chapters 1 through 3 from Hebrew to English. And I, I got an A on that. I did that. I thought, wow, I can do this. Like, I can read Hebrew and tell you what it means in English. Now, I can't do that anymore. I mean, without a lot of, like, study and, and catch up. Because I don't do I don't read Hebrew. I don't translate Hebrew. So, you know, when you use it, you keep it. When you don't use it, you lose it, right? 
So pattern, the power of pattern. Now, if we take that truth and we take the fact that God said to them, I want a pattern of worship. I want a pattern of you coming and connecting with me. I want a pattern of you reflecting my work. I want a pattern of offering. I want a pattern of that. It starts to ask us this. What patterns do you have in your life and which ones are really important? What's important enough for you to choose to do it regularly? If you don't know, you're answering that question all the time. You answered it all week. You may not know you were answering it, but if you look at your calendar, if you look at your schedule, if you journaled your time, if you looked at your free time, if you look at the decisions you made about where to spend your time, you are answering the question of the patterns that you will bring into life, the things that you will choose to spend your time on. Some of them are more important, more healthy. Some of them are less important and less healthy, right? We choose to have conversation and connection with people. It's not a bad thing. How important is that? How much time do we give to that? We choose on working, uh, how, how to like pour energy into making money. Maybe we choose on building up a reputation. We choose t- to pour ourselves into keeping an eye on what everyone's doing. How much time a day do you choose to turn towards keeping an eye on what everyone is doing and saying? And how important is that? You see, we make choices. Even if we don't say it's a choice, we make choices. Some people choose to distract themselves or try to escape from the pain and weight of this life by their preferred pattern, whatever that is. And they give hours and hours to escaping. How important is that? I wonder if God showed up, if he was in the lobby after the service today, and he was going to meet with everybody who wanted to have a conversation with him so that he could tell you, what his prescription was for the divya of your time. Like, what should be in your schedule? What should go from your schedule? What should have more of your time? What should have less of your time? How many of you would have that conversation? Maybe a better question is, how many of you would do what he said? Because we run our schedules, but I don't know how often we ask God what He thinks of our schedules. God gave Israel this prescription as a nation. He said, these offerings are going to be regular and they're going to be required. I'm not sure if they weren't required if they would have done it. There's a lot of things that are good for us to do, but if nobody's going to make us do it, We're not doing it, right? Israel was required to do this. And so it begs the question, why was this such a big deal? Why was God trying to take their money and make them less rich, to make them sacrifice their livestock and and their goods? Um, Was God just trying to feed his ego? What's going on here? And it, it made me ask this question. What if God is trying to show his people something about what it means to be his people? What if he's using the power of a pattern to teach them how to live free? To teach them who he is? What if it takes that pattern, that regular habit? What if he wants them to understand that there's something larger in life than just surviving and living until you die? I think, believers, we have settled for this philosophy. If I could just survive until I die, that will be living. Man, we are desperately in need of a pattern that shows us something different than that, right? Some of us are so busy. 
We run so fast and so hard that our hopes have come down to this. If I can just survive, it would be good if I could just survive. Do you know God wants so much more for you than that? And I'm not talking about you need to be rich. I'm talking about you need to be alive. How do we get there? Maybe God used this pattern to try to teach his people. And it was a pattern of regular offerings. My point is, I believe we too need regular reminders and habits and actions that point us towards the Lord and engage our souls with Him. He doesn't require it of us the same way He did with the law, but I don't believe that's because it's any less important. I think people are still people. The other thing I notice in this introduction is that He says, it will be a pleasing aroma to me. It will be pleasing to me. He's talking about sacrifices. He's talking about animals getting slaughtered and killed and blood on the altar. And and it's this regular all the time kind of thing. And it makes some people say, wow, you really worship a bloodthirsty God. He really loves pain and suffering and death and blood. Isaiah says about Jesus, about the Messiah, that when the Messiah comes, it pleased the Lord to bruise him. So have you ever asked yourself, what's so pleasing to God about pain and suffering and death and sacrifice? What's so pleasing to God about that? I can tell you if, you, if you look at the whole picture of the Word of God, I can tell you why God is pleased with that in one word. Redemption. Because God's heart is for people who are messed up, who are lost, who are broken, who are hopeless. And it is through these sacrifices that point to the sacrifice where redemption is going to come. And God doesn't enjoy the pain and the death. That's why God allows and brings the pain and the death so that there can be redemption to life. You died so I can live. That's why God is pleased with it. Do you understand? The people of God needed to know that's who God is. They needed to see it because life will tell you sometimes God is not good. God is not faithful. But God is communicating about himself. What are his priorities? What's a big deal to him? And he's communicating it to them through offerings in a pattern that they experienced on this regular basis because they needed a pattern so they could hold on to who God actually is as their God. So let's see what the pattern is. Keep going with me in in Numbers 28, verses 3 and 4. It says this, Say to them, This is the food offering you are to present to the Lord. Two lambs, a year old, without defect, as a regular burnt offering each day. Offer one lamb in the morning and the other at twilight. So there's this pattern, and it goes on from there. It's not just lambs, it's also flour and wine and oil, and all this stuff is put on the altar. How often... Do they come for this appointed time to bring an offering? Every day. Actually, more than every day, right? Morning and twilight. Two times a day, the people of God brought a sacrifice to God of a lamb and all this other stuff. And they put it up on the altar and they burnt it up. They weren't just bringing whatever they wanted. God told them what to bring. They didn't just give God whatever was left over. God told them what to bring. They came and they gave every day. And if you believe that God is good, then maybe what that says is they needed to bring it every day 
so they could be healthy. They needed to come and meet with God every day. They needed to play out this, this pantomime of God's goodness through sacrifice that would redeem their death, right? How often? Every day, morning and night. Morning and night. Lambs and oil and flour and wine put up on the altar. And how could you waste all that? How can you afford to keep up with that? It seems like a lot of lambs. Well, it goes more than that. Down to verse 9. On the Sabbath day. So the Sabbath day is the seventh day of the week. So we're talking now about, we said daily. Now we're talking about every week. On the Sabbath day, make an offering of two lambs, a year old without defect, together with its drink offering and a grain offering and two-tenths of an ephah of the finest flour mixed with olive oil. This is the burnt offering for every Sabbath, in addition to the regular burnt offering and its drink offering. So every day, morning and evening, they would have a sacrifice. On the seventh day, they would add an extra sacrifice every week. It kind of feels like this is a big deal. Then verse 11. On the first of every month, present to the Lord a burnt offering of two young bulls, one ram, and seven male lambs a year old, all without defect. There's a lot of pictures here, but the big picture that I'm looking at is this pattern. Daily, weekly, and then this monthly one is more. The daily and weekly ones are kind of the same, but this monthly one, there's got two young bulls, a ram, and seven lambs every single month. So I think we're supposed to take a lesson from this. And I think some of the lesson is, do you see how often and regularly God's people needed to approach the Lord? Do you see how often and regularly they needed to bring a sacrifice to the Lord? Do you suppose that that might have been because it was healthy for their souls? And if it was, do you think that that kind of pattern might be necessary for believers to live in this world? Do you think this world is better or worse than their world? Do you think that there is less or more pull to what is wrong, to discouragement, to to believing in the worst? Do you think we live today in an easier world and so we need less pattern? Or do you think maybe our world needs at least as much for us as God's people? Daily, weekly, monthly. Because like it or not, we are distractible people. Some of you are already distracted. You're like, ah, what am I doing later, right? We're distractible. Pattern brings us back. Even after we're distracted, it brings us back. It brings us back. It brings us back. And we have this gravity inside of us that pulls us towards believing that everything's about me. Offerings and meeting with the Lord keep, nope, it's not about me. It's about you, Lord. It's about you. Then I kind of like drift over here again. It's like, nope, that got. So the pattern keeps bringing me back. It keeps bringing me back. It's for a healthy soul. The truth is that you can mentally agree with this. But if you don't do something about it, you won't live in it. You'll just think it's true, but you won't do anything. It won't be alive in you. God's people needed to live this out daily, weekly, monthly. So, people of God, you are now God's people. The church is now God's people. Do you think there are ways that we can build a rhythm like this into our lives? Daily meeting with God weekly meeting with God, monthly having a little bit more of a celebration of yet another month that God has given us.
I can tell you an easy one. You're doing it right now. We get together on Sunday morning and we do church together. Maybe you have other things you do with, with the people of God, a small group, Bible study, whatever. But as we get together, we don't bring a sacrifice of, of animals anymore, but we bring a sacrifice. We bring a sacrifice of our time, our focus, our attention that we could give to other things or we could do other things with, but because this is a priority, because this is correcting, because this brings us back into a connectedness with God, we get together on Sunday morning and we do this. We bring a sacrifice of giving. We give back to God what He has given us. A lot of this sacrifice stuff was patterning into the Israelites that God is the giver of all this stuff. And so as I give it back to you, whatever you ask me to do, I'll do it because you're the one who gave it to me in the first place. It's far too easy for us as human beings to believe that what I have is mine and I got it because of me. You didn't even get to wake up this morning except for the grace of God and the gift of God that gave you this day. You have breath in your lungs because He gave you the ability to breathe. So everything that we have belongs to Him, but I lose track of that. And so this pattern of bringing a sacrifice, giving what God has given to us. So we give in the offering. We give to the work of God. We give online. We give, we give away what God has given to us to remember, just like they did. We come to bring a sacrifice of service. We could choose to just be spectators. We could choose to just stay in our comfort zone, but because Jesus left heaven and came to earth to serve us, how can I just sit on the sidelines? I'm going to go follow my Savior and I'm going to go serve people. We bring a sacrifice of service. We bring a sacrifice of praise. We declare His goodness. We, we give thanks. We praise Him. We lift up His name together. We pray together. We bring a sacrifice of surrender. Lord, whatever you say to do, that's what I'm going to do. I'm surrendering to you. We bring these sacrifices weekly. That's a starting place. It's a simple starting place. I think many Christians feel chaotic and lost partly because they haven't even built one pattern of weekly offerings to the Lord into their life. It's not that they don't believe. It's not that they don't love Jesus. It's just that they don't come. They don't do this together. They think that they can skate by on a couple times a month or whenever I have the time, whenever I have the energy, whenever I don't have something else to do, whenever I feel like it. And it has an impact because we need the pattern. I think in this example, it's really important to remember that the people of God that he's giving this command to had other things to do. These were not like uber wealthy people who had their feet up on their hammock and they were, you know, someone was fanning them and like, okay, now some days you're going to have to go sacrifice and serve. No, these are people that worked hard, sun up till sundown. So for them to go, to stop what they were doing or for every week to stop for a whole day was an act of faith. It reminded them and they had to act it out that God is the one who's taking care of me. It's not my work that takes care of me. It's God who's taking care of me. And when he says stop, I'm going to stop because I need to exercise that muscle of trusting him. See? These are healthy things that God gave them that we could choose to step into. I don't know if believers think that way anymore. I don't know if they understand the connection between I don't even show up on a weekly basis to church and I can't seem to find a grip on my life. Everything feels like a storm all the time, and I can't find which way is up. I can't feel God's presence in my life. I don't know where He is. I'm not sure. Now, if it is a settled decision, 
If you've made a settled decision about we're going to be a church, we're going to bring this sacrifice every week, we're going to bring this offering, we need this pattern, then maybe the next thing for you is like, okay, well, it wasn't just weekly, it was daily and it was monthly. What is that, God? And I don't know that I have the perfect prescription. We've talked about reading the Word of God on every day. We've got uh, Bible markers about Bible readings every day and stuff. There are ways for us to try to do that. But I know this, each of those things are going to be that the Spirit of God can speak to your soul. If you're interested, you don't have to meet with God in the lobby. He lives inside you. So you can just say, okay, Lord, I'm game. What what patterns do I need? And you'll be surprised because he'll tell you. And then you'll have to decide if you're willing to sacrifice. If you're willing to make it a priority. If you're willing to make it a habit. These sacrifices had meaning. It wasn't just about going through motions. It meant... I recognize, I believe, I I am representing that God is the giver of all that I have. So I freely give back to Him whatever He asks for. Even, think about this, they were not going to the temple saying, now what are you going to do with this lamb? Now what are you going to do with this wine? Because if they had gotten the answer, the answer was, we're going to burn it all up. In other words, it didn't matter where the money was going or where the, the goods were going to. It mattered that I was giving them. Now, I'm not saying it doesn't matter what a church does with money. I'm just saying, for your soul's sake, that's not the point. The point is, you're giving it because I need this healthy practice in my soul. They needed to know that their security came from the fact that God watched over them, not in how much I've got and how much I can afford to give. They needed to act it out, so do we. They needed to remember what mattered more and what mattered less. And some of how they remembered it was this practice, this practice of offering, this practice of sacrifice, a reminder that God is the priority, that my relationship with Him is where life is. I need His grace and His forgiveness and His mercy every day. I need to be connected to that all the time. I need to be connected to Him. Now, daily, weekly, monthly, but then there are several annual feasts, and I'm not going to go through all of them. There's actually five annual feasts listed in this chapter and the next chapter. Each of these feasts, there was the Feast of Passover we're going to read about, there was the Feast of Weeks, there was the Feast of Trumpets, the Feast of Tabernacles, the Feast of the Day of Atonement. So you're like, well, you've got daily sacrifices, you've got weekly sacrifices, you've got monthly sacrifices, now you've got these five festivals a year. Isn't that a little bit like over the top? Isn't that overkill? Have you guys met the children of Israel? Did they need some reminders? Maybe a better question. Have you met you? Do you need some patterns in your life to hold on to who God is, how faithful He is, what He's done for you? Is that a priority? I mean, are you, are you getting really good at finding life somewhere else? How about in your job? How about in your education? How about in your family? Are you finding life there? Is that life-giving? Is that just filling you up? Or do you need life from the giver of life? We need a pattern, right? Let me read about just one of those feasts, the Passover, in verse 16 down to verse 18. It says this, On the 14th day of the first month, the Lord's Passover is to be held. On the 15th day of this month, 
There is to be a festival. For seven days eat bread made without yeast. On the first day, hold a sacred assembly and do no regular work. Present to the Lord a food offering consisting of a burnt offering of two young bulls, one ram, seven male lambs, a year old, all without defect. So again, same pattern. We come back with offerings. We come back with sacrifices. Now it's to celebrate the Passover. And the Passover celebrated the 10th plague that many of these people lived through. This was the generation beyond the generation of adults that were in the Exodus. It's the next generation. So some of these people were the kids that were passed over because it was the death of the firstborn in the family. Some of these kids were the people who woke up in the morning alive because there were blood on their doorposts, not because their parents did the right thing or were really good people, but because they believed God and they put blood on the doorposts. So when the angel of death came, he passed over them. That's why it's called the Passover. And every year they were to remember the mercy, the salvation of the grace of God, how God had saved them, and how God had set them free. This plague was the plague that made Pharaoh, who said, never, say, get out of here. The Passover was a reminder that it was the power of God that set them free. Believer, what set you free? Have you been passed over with judgment and just given grace by God? How often do you need to remember that? See, he, God built those specific things into their calendar so that they would remember it. It's not an accident that Jesus died at Passover. That the blood that was shed for us to live was given by the Messiah on the day when God's people remembered and celebrated the grace of God to deliver from death. The Passover reminded them of their salvation by grace, and we need to regularly be reminded we've been saved by grace, that God has poured out His goodness. We do that with things like communion and baptism. We do it with, at Easter services and whatever. So we do it together, and we need to do together. So what am I saying? I'm, there's a, we could talk about this all day. What am I saying about this? What, we've said we're going to zoom out. Why do I need chapters like this? Why do I need to know this? Here's why. Because too often we think that by grace we can just live however we want to live and we'll just hold on to God by faith and it doesn't really matter what we do. It matters whether you have patterns in your life to hold on to the goodness of God. You need them. And I've seen it over and over in my pastoral ministry when people who love Jesus, who want to follow Jesus, who are trying to do the right thing, find reasons to not have any patterns in their life, not even church, Eventually, it doesn't take long, off they go. My heart breaks for them. I don't want that for you. There are reasons that we gather. There are reasons that we sacrifice. There are reasons that we praise. Reasons we come together to connect and focus our minds on Him. We do it because we need practice. We need to practice gratitude. Being grateful for the goodness of God. Some of their festivals were that. The Feast of uh, Weeks was a harvest feast. The Feast of Trumpets is the Feast of the New Year. It's Rosh Hashanah. And they were like, thank you, Lord, for another year. Thank you, Lord, for a harvest. We need to practice gratitude. Some of us getting this offering, this schedule, this pattern is, God, thank you, thank you, thank you. Some of it was to remember what God has done. Passover was a remembrance of what God has done. Remember how God set us free? Remember The Feast of Unleavened Bread after that was a, a remembrance of their journey out of Egypt. Remember when God did that? Remember? Sometimes you lose track of how good God has been in your life. 
And the enemy tries to, to wash it away so that you don't have all of that experience to draw on for your current crisis. So how do I remedy that? I build into my life a practice of remembering. Some of it was to see the size of the problem, the the sins that would doom us without God's grace. The Day of Atonement, they rehearsed all the sins of Israel and they put it on a goat and they put it on a lamb that went into the, the Holy of Holies with the high priest and they remembered how serious this whole thing was. We need it because we need to regularly have a habit of intentionally turning Godward. You've got stuff in your life every day that will pull you to some other direction, some other attention, some other focus. And you need a pattern to turn yourself back Godward. Psalm 121 says, I will lift up my eyes. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. You know why they had that as a song? Because they needed to sing it a lot so they could remember, that's right, my help is not in my situation getting better. My help is in the Lord. We need to turn our eyes toward Him. We need a pattern in our lives that keeps us living as God's people, keeps us in a healthy, functioning, lively connection with Him in real life, not just in church, but as we walk out the doors and go around. We need that kind of pattern so we are reminded about His love, His grace, His leading, His power. We need those kind of patterns. What kind of patterns do you have? What kind of patterns do you need? This is actually the end of the series in Numbers, but really kind of unofficially my kickoff for the summer. Because my summer series is going to be, it takes practice to be a Christian. And we need practice. And we're going to talk about how you need practice at loving God. And you need practice at loving people. And there are things that we need in our lives as habits so that we can get better at it. It actually starts next week. We're going to have a worship morning next week. If you missed worship night in March, this is your chance. Next Sunday, we're going to have worship morning. And it's not just so we have something different on our program. It's because we need stuff like this to point our souls towards the Lord, to join with one another and say, isn't God good? And remember what he's done and how great our problem was and how great his grace is. And can you believe it? So come next week. Come and sing. Don't stay home because I'm not really a music person or I've got other things to do or it's Memorial Day weekend or what. I don't fill in the blank. The enemy's got a thousand excuses. You need this. It's why for me when like it's going to snow and we're like, oh, should we cancel church? I'm like, no. And sometimes we have to, but I'm like, you've got to convince me that we have to because you know why? We need this. We need it. So come next week. Stand, sit, sing, don't, whatever. But pour your heart out in praise to the Lord and sing. Right? God has given us graciously things that help us stay connected to Him. We bring an offering. We come and meet with our God. We are reminded of who He is. And we set our hearts in a right position before him. We do it daily, weekly, monthly, yearly, because we need the pattern.